Welcome to Invoking Witchcraft, the podcast where the sacred and profane come out to play. So call the quarters and set the round. It's time for another episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of Invoking Witchcraft. I am Britton, also known as Archaic Honey on Instagram and Twitter and around the web. And I am here with... J. Allen Cross, also known as at Oregon Wood Witch on all the web things as well. The one and only. Don't let the scammers fool you. Oh, yeah. Don't let those scammers get you. It's been a hot minute since we've recorded, although you as listeners have not experienced the time lapse. Uh, Jay and I Mm -hmm. took the holidays off and now we're back in the saddle. And frankly, I'm feeling a little uh, rickety here. I'm like, oh, man, how do I do this thing? It is a little weird because we've been gone for about a month, maybe a little over a month, not counting our interview with Corey, which I absolutely adored. But we're attempting to uh, fix the space-time continuum for you all. <laughs> when we first started this, we we kind of had eight episodes in the hopper already before we began. And that was great to give us some cushion when we first started. But then we realized things like... We were talking about how summer was suddenly here in like Halloween time, (laughs) your guys' time. So if the timeline, if the space-time continuum seems to be a little broken with our podcast, we're working on kind of bringing this a little closer to our our more relevant time span here. So we're taking a little bit of breaks off, allowing you guys to catch up with our episodes and then uh, recording with hopefully a little bit more relevancy. Yes, absolutely. I'm really excited about it. Having that like that, that space time continuum collapse a little bit. Is that the word I'm no. looking for? Yeah, so that we can yeah. talk about things that y'all are actually still looking at or in front of your faces. Right. Relevancy. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So what's new in your world since we haven't like, you know, talked in a minute? Well, what I've been doing this morning, there's like this real thing that's going around. That is like, tell me what your name means. And so I looked up our names and what their meanings are. Yes. So apparently Joshua means either deliverance from or delivered by God. That's what it means because biblical names, hardcore. I looked up Britain as well. And Britain apparently means... From Brittany, the place. Yes, a Briton. <laughs> yes, exactly. So if if you ever need to know where to find Britain, we go to Brittany. <laughs> right. And they'll be there. <laughs> that's not true, but still. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, I love looking up names. I mean, I have a, un- a fairly unique name, but every time I look it up, I'm like, oh, I want it to be something special, but it just ends up being like, oh, you're from Britain. Like, <laughs> right? Can I have more, please? Like something more like, but it's still a pretty good name. I like that name. It's pretty cool. Thank you. I know that also a breed of draft horse is called a Briton. It's not spelled the same, but it's like a Breton. Yeah, Mm. they're very beautiful. I love draft horses. Well, what I liked about too, when I was looking up your name is that they were talking about that it's, it's often just a completely unisex name, but slightly more common among boys. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, and so I'm like, I'm like, that fits. That fits a lot. It That's, really does. That energy. When I learned about that, about my name, because like every person I had met 
whose name was Britain was like a masculine dude, bro. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, cool. It's a very um, gender non-conforming. It's a very flexible name. I mean, I feel like most names are fairly flexible, but I feel I like my name. I'm glad my parents gave me my name when I popped out. <laughs> yeah, it fits. It fits. I have other people too who like have taken on other names for like, you know, the magical work that they do or whatever. And then you hear their original given name um, and you're like, that doesn't fit. <laughs> like the new mm-hmm. one is so much better, but yours I think really goes well. And it does all automatically kind of sound both authorly and more. It, it just, it sounds kind of steely, like, you know, Britain boy, you know, it's, Oh yeah. Sounds good. Thank together, you. you know? <laughs> Did you ever, okay, I experienced this as a child. Did you ever, like, want to change your name? Oh, absolutely. I really, for a long time, did not connect with my name. But also, Mm -hmm. as a child of the early 90s, who is a boy, me and everyone else I knew is named Josh. Right. So it's it's so common that uh, there would either be another one in my class at all times or I'd be dating another Josh or like all kinds of stuff. So it's like, mm-hmm. no, that's, I, I felt very trapped by it. But then as an adult, I've come to really like it. Right. I wanted to be called Kate when I was about oh. five or six years old. I mm-hmm. was just obsessed with the name Kate. So shout out mm-hmm. to any of the Kates out there listening. You've got a great name. What kind of Kate? Are you like a Kate with a C and an I or with a K? With a K. K-A-T-E. Oh. Uh, Kate. That's a good, that's a good old school name that it has that sort of like, where, where is Kate from? I guess it depends on which version of Kate because some of that sounds very Irelandy, but I think that's with the C. I just I think, think of so. swords when I hear the name Kate, so. Oh, I like very Queen of Swords. I like that. Yeah, yeah. It's a pointy name. Yes, pointy, sharp, direct. I like that. When I was in like high school, I really wanted to change my name to kale, but then the superfood green thing happened with like the kale like vegetable that suddenly became all the rage. And then I was like, oh God, no. Thank God I did not do that. <laughs> it's like anyone named Alexa right now. It's like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. So what else is new? Um, that's pretty much it. What's yeah. been what's been new with you? Oh, well, it's dumping snow here like crazy. And I'm really like frustrated by it right now because it's hard to go anywhere and I can't visit anyone and nobody can visit me and that's whatever. But this morning I walk into my kitchen and I look on my windowsill and there's a flipping butterfly. What in my kitchen in the middle of winter it is white outside and there is a butterfly in my kitchen what's it mean i have no idea but i'm like mama <laughs> is that you i know that's what i thought too i was like mama are you there <laughs> is it is it you oh dear that's interesting yeah, it's a little green one with black spots. It's not a moth because I was like, wait, is this a moth? Because that could make mm-hmm. sense. But yeah. it's a butterfly in January. In 
cold parts of Oregon. Like over here on the west side, you know, the birds kind of get mixed up a little bit. So like on Christmas, we had juncos, which are snowbirds, Mm -hmm. but also like hummingbirds. Yes. Mm -hmm. Decided to come back and like ask for food. So that was kind of weird. So they get mixed up over here a lot. But over there, I don't I don't see that. And you said it was inside your home too? Inside my home, sitting on my windowsill. And I moved it to the warmer part of my house just so that they could be a little cozier, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I know. Omens. I don't even know what to do with that. That's one of those fun magical moments though, when you're just like, Yeah, you're just like, huh. We'll see what happens with it. Daniel Dion was telling a story once, and I can't remember all the details. It was when I took her class at PantheaCon, but she was talking about on the East Coast, how cardinals are often seen as a, um, like a, a message from a loved one. Like, like when you see mm-hmm. a cardinal, it's one of your deceased loved ones that's like saying hello to you. It's kind of like a big thing on the East Coast, apparently. And she was talking about how she had kind of like, you know, as a medium kind of gotten over it, this idea of everyone being like, oh, the cardinal, it's my loved one. And she was kind of like rolling her eyes like, yeah, okay, fine, whatever. And something happened where she was driving somewhere and one of them flew inside of her car while she was driving, like in through a window and like into her car. And she's Whoa. like, <laughs> she's like, I will not question it again. <laughs> the cardinals have spoken. Right. Message received. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh boy. So what are we talking about today? What is our uh, topic for this episode? We are talking about spellcasting and not just any kind of spellcasting, but this idea of writing your own spells. Can you do it? Should you do it? When, where, how, all of that. And this is kind of a taboo topic a little bit because I see a lot of different opinions about it. And I see people being either in this camp of like, you know, only write your own spells. Spells written by other people have zero spiritual value at all ever. Or they're in this completely other camp that's like, you should never write your own spells until you've been doing this for at least 20 years and know exactly what you're doing. Because if you get it wrong, everyone around you will die. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I I believe that there's definitely a middle ground here for certain. Yes. Do you tend to write your own spells? Do you use spells from other people? How do you approach that? You know, I'm about 50-50. It depends on the situation. Sometimes I will go to like a book or a website or a resource to craft my own spell or rather, um, you know, I guess copy and paste a spell. And then the other 50%, I do write my own spells, but I don't really write them out. I'm a pretty off the cuff spellcaster. So I'm just like, oh, I need money right now. Uh, dress a seven day green candle and burn the thing down. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's kind of how I work. But I, I really am a fan of digging through spell resources like websites or books, and getting ideas and like seeing the formula and function of spellcraft, because it gives me a lot of ideas. Like, you know, we don't always have to follow it can be helpful to, especially if you're a beginner, to follow a spell that you have found to the T. But it's also fun to go, like like you've said, like off-roading a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah, especially like if you're brand new to this and you're like, I don't even know where to start with writing my own spells. Like, don't let anybody tell you that using someone else's spells is going to be bad for you or it's not going to work out or, or whatever. Definitely, of course, look for good resources for spells. And we're going to talk about that 
um, in a moment, but there's nothing wrong with using somebody else's spell because a lot of time this is something that they put work into. This is something that they've thought out. And for them, it's worked. And that's why they've decided to share it with people. And Mm -hmm. I like what you're talking about, too, as far as like looking at other spells for inspiration, because not only will that help you learn to write your own spells, it's going to help you take a look at the mechanics, you know, kind of like, okay, this person did this for a protection spell. Why? Why did they pick this plant? Why did they pick this color candle? You know, you can kind of see how they went about it and see, okay, is that going to work for my situation? How do I need to modify Mm -hmm. this? So I think it's a great way to kind of get started is looking at other people's work for inspiration. And I still even do that. If I'm like, okay, I need a spell for this thing. And I'm like, God, like, where do I even start with that? And so sometimes if I'm stuck, I'll look at somebody else's spell and kind of be like, oh, okay, I understand why you went at it from that direction. And then Mm -hmm. I can at least orient myself a little bit. Same thing with like recipes. It's like, okay, what did someone else put in their fiery wall of protection? Like, okay, Mm -hmm. like I can see why you chose those things. Maybe I wouldn't choose like every single one of those, but maybe this gives me an idea Mm -hmm. of kind of where to go. So I I do agree. Right. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you kind of like touched on a point um, and I had like a brain ding about it um, is that it's like spells come from a place of need. And when you're looking at inspiration, like through a book or somebody shared a post on Instagram, that's really cool. We don't always have the ingredients for Mm -hmm. the spell. So it's like good to have that inspiration and then utilize what you have. And that way, you know, you're just like working with what you have rather than like waiting a long time to get the exotic route from Etsy or something like that. Absolutely. Yeah. And then that's when, you know, things like your correspondence tables or your reference books, you know, we talk about Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Magical Plants or whatever. You're like, Mm -hmm. okay, they used, you know, Rue in this, but I don't have Rue and it's a protection spell. So maybe I could use, you know, basil, which also has protective Mm -hmm. qualities. Um, and, And people will, you'll get to learn as you go through this kind of which plants to reach for and which ones play well with each other. Cause that's something that I see a lot of people not understanding coming into this is they'll be like, okay, well I need protection. So I'm just going to pick these three random plants because they're under the heading of protection. And it's like, well, just because they're in the same category doesn't necessarily mean that they play nice with each other or that their energies are super compatible. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you'll learn as you go and that's where, you know, we're going to talk about kind of intuitive spell casting in a minute here, where sometimes you'll have like one plant and you'll be like, okay, great. This is one of my protection plans. And I'm going to reach for this other protection plant. And something kind of goes, no, no. Right. <laughs> and you don't know why. <laughs> but then there's another protection plant. And for some reason that says, yes, please. And then so you reach for that one instead. So like, mm-hmm. you know, we, we know kind of which group of plants we're going for, but figuring out which ones want to work together kind of ends up being an intuitive Um, task a lot of the time. Yeah, I love that. I've had some interesting what I'll call downloads for spell work. Like I've had dreams where plants show up and then they give me a spell or they give me like an ingredient list of like, here's what you use for this situation or this condition. And I, I love that style of working because it's so personal and it's so effective. Um, because it is, you know, very personal. Absolutely. And I often like, while going through that process of kind of like figuring out what to use and what to put in, a lot of the time, you'll realize that the, the grouping that you have already will kind of go one direction or the other. So for instance, say, 
say you're making, let's, I'm just for some reason have protection on the brain this morning. So maybe you're, you're making like a protection, you know, blend of herbs mm-hmm. and maybe you've already picked three plants and you want like one more. I'll notice that by the ones I've already picked that seem to go well together, that they'll have like a theme. Mm-hmm. Like either they'll all have very dense, heavy energy, or maybe they'll all be very light and very airy, or maybe they'll kind of be darker, or maybe they'll be lighter in in energy. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes if I have like a very dark, heavy grouping, me picking something that's very light and very airy or something like that doesn't seem to fit right. with them or the theme. And so I'll be like, okay, I need something more of like a root that's going to be, you know, of that persuasion. Now that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that then making a light and airy protection blend wouldn't work. It just simply means that in that particular mix, that wasn't the way to go. Does that make any sense? That does make sense because sometimes I want to, yeah, let's just stick with the theme of protection work here. I want to have like an uplifting protection, you know, that kind of like uplifts the spirit. So that might be like lighter herbs, like lavender, rosemary, you know, basil, something that's going to like lift you up. But then there's like that, like you said, that dense, heavy protection. And that makes me think of like Angelica, which is also nurturing. So Mm -hmm. like using roots for that warm, Mm -hmm. rooty uh, protection experience. And so I do think that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. There's kind of like that difference between like rue and black cohosh and lavender and rosemary. Like they're still going to protect you very well. But the the vibe is different between yes. them, which is which is helpful. And I found too that some some plants will go in between. So like bay, I feel goes mm-hmm. very nicely in like very light kind of area things, as well as very like sturdy um, kind of heavier work as well. It very much goes both ways in that. So some of them will do more than one. Right. Yeah. You know, it's like looking at the texture of the plant too, because bay leaf is a laurel. So it's like got that very tough evergreen feel mm-hmm. to it. So it's like it's very shield shaped. Yeah. And it's sharp. Like when you break mm-hmm. it in, apart, it's very sharp. So yeah, just like paying attention to the textures, the smells, the feels like, is it an aerial part or is it a root? Like play with that. Mm-hmm. And you realize too, as well, that like, even if it's the same plant, things like the roots and the leaves will feel different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, I work with the Angelica plant a lot and I, a lot of times people just work with the root, but I'll also work with the leaves, but also I feel a definite difference in the energy between them, even though it's the same plant because they have slightly different uses, slightly different energies. You know, the roots tend to be a little heavier, have a little bit more grip to them. Whereas the leaves, especially once they're dried, they're very light and they're very delicate, but they also have a very kind of spicy scent to them. A little bit like rue in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. where it's kind of like that black peppery sort of scent to it. So I like that it has kind of this lightness and this crackle to it, a little bit like fire, which is always why angelica leaves and things like that always make me think of Archangel Michael. Mm -hmm. Because of that kind of that fiery, crackly kind of light Um, but very powerful kind of feeling to them. Right. Yeah. I love that. That reminds me of um, one of my favorite plants who are in the same family as Angelica. Um, It's Lomatium. Um, Mm. Or I'm sorry, not Lomatium. It's Logisticum. 
uh, porturi, which is a, um, a plant that has an affinity to the lungs. So sometimes when I'm out hiking during this, depending on the season, I'll pluck the seeds and nibble on the seeds. Now you don't want to do this, uh, for anyone who's listening and curious, you don't want to willy nilly go pick logisticum. You really need to know how to identify the plant because they do have poisonous lookalikes. If you nibble the seed, it opens the lungs up in a very gentle way. But if you utilize the root, it gets deeper. It goes much, much deeper and really like it's, it pulls out the gunk from your lungs. So I really love that. It's kind of like the doctrine of signatures that we're working mm-hmm. with here with the plants and like the parts of them and how the aerial parts may be different from the root. And I love how you describe Angelica. Angelica is such a lovely plant. It's so neat. And I love working with it in all parts of it. And so like, if, if you ever come across a plant that like, you know, particularly one section of the disease, like the root or the leaves, you know, explore the other parts of it too. Mm-hmm. Because just because one is mostly traditionally worked with doesn't mean that the rest of the plant doesn't have any sort of use. You know, there's, right. there's all kinds of stuff for it. Um, so definitely, definitely look around in there for sure. Mm-hmm. If you are deciding to you know, go out and look at someone else's spell, maybe for inspiration, or maybe, you know, you want to just totally use somebody else's spell. What's a place that you're going to go and look? Ah, a couple of places. Well, I, okay. I know we shit talk Instagram a lot, but (laughs) depending on who I follow, you know, Mm -hmm. I like the conjure cleaner who we interviewed, I love his stuff. Um, So I will look at like, I'll selectively look at Instagram accounts who do spell work. Like Temperance Alden does a lot of stuff. Like she did a, she was on a lemon kick for a little while. And I really love that. So people I trust on Instagram is a place that I'll go to. Um, Hands down, Judica Isles, Encyclopedia of 5,000, it's 5,000 spells, right? Yes, 5,000 spells. Literally 5,000 spells. That is an awesome book to dig through for inspiration because like you don't have to do it to the T you can like flexibly work with some of the spells or you can do it to the T and like follow the spell completely um another resource that I do find helpful is um Lucky Mojo actually has a massive massive archive of spells um that are interesting to read and like glean information from to see how other people work and I think that that's, that's kind of what I'm going for is I want to find the mechanism underneath mm. the spell work. Like I want to see their method. So I find that by, you know, um, exploring these resources that I can see how folks are working, not necessarily what they're using, but like the, um, the movement of the spell. Does that make sense? Yes. Absolutely. And I think that's really important to point out, especially for our new people here. You know, if you are using spells from other people, totally fine. I don't think that that's a problem at all. But if you are going to be using them, try and and understand why they're doing the things that they're doing and why they are utilizing the plants or the colors or the stones that they're using. Because a lot of the times people just go, I need a spell for this. Great. I have a spell. Now I'm going to go and do it. And they don't take the time to figure out, you know, why did they choose all these things? Mm -hmm. And the why is going to be more important than just following the instructions because it's 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 like 
I don't know why my brain is going to this. It's, it's like there's two kinds of people that can bake. There are those people who can bake as long as they have a recipe, which is basically me. Mm. And then there are other people who understand baking and the chemistry. And so they just kind of know the ratios and stuff and can just like pull out stuff and put it in a bowl and like make a cake happen. And you want to be in the second group. You want to you want to understand what is happening other than just kind of connecting dots just because mm-hmm. of I briefly went to culinary school and I was more on the like cooking side of things, you know, like mm-hmm. working with like a saute pan and stocks, etc. But I, they uh, made us take a baking class. And I did well in the baking class because I had instructions. And I had a teacher looking over my shoulder being like, mm, that's a little too much yeast. So I really love that. Um, uh, I guess, analogy of like cooking and baking and like, mm-hmm people who are just natural bakers or people who like need to look at the formula of baking. Yeah, for sure. I learn something new about you all the time. <laughs> Same. I learn new things about you too. <laughs> we are people who have lived many lives, but I feel oh, like yeah. that's kind of an Aries thing. We, we've, we've, you know, I used to be a circus performer. There's all kinds of stuff going on up in here. But yeah, no, I, I think that's something important for people to continue to do is attempt to figure out why. And you don't necessarily have to have all the answers and you don't necessarily have to agree with everything that this person has chosen for the spell. But especially if you're new, that's a great way to learn about, you know, spellcraft is finding trusted sources, looking at their spells and then being like, okay, why did they choose this? And then kind mm-hmm. of um, backtracking, I guess they call that reverse engineering <laughs> spells mm-hmm. in order to figure out why and the mechanics of it is really important. Um, what about you? What are your favorite resources? I absolutely love, like you're talking about the Judica's 5,000 Spells book. It is yeah. enormous. And what I love too is that she doesn't shy away from either taboo types of magic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just a big book of fluffy magic. There's a lot of different types of stuff. And they talk about things that you don't normally hear about these days things like spells for invisibility um which is definitely part of the witch's art that people just kind of don't talk about anymore um is kind of doing things like invisibility or glamour or illusion magic um and what i like too is that in in it they will also um provide several variations of the same spell yes they do and so you can see the same spell worked in several different ways and Mm -hmm. you can see where the subtle shifts happen that change the spell. Mm -hmm. And that's really helpful, especially when you're learning. And that's also really helpful too. If you, if you find a spell and it's like, okay, you need these things. And it's like, okay, well I don't have two of those things, but the next spell is pretty much the exact same thing with different plants used. And it's like, okay, I do have those things. So it's kind of nice that it provides that. It also has an entire formulary in the back as well. So it has like sections on like um, recipes for oils recipes for herbal blends, things like that, that you can go in and you can look at recipes as well. And which is going to be slightly different in function than a spell itself to have mm-hmm. the recipe for something. So it's, it's a great place to either draw inspiration or simply just find a great spell. A lot of them are actually really good. I also like pretty much any book that is put out by a, you know, competent, responsible worker um, mm-hmm. and by a good publishing company. I, I, you can't really say these days that, you know, if it's in a book, it's good um, because there's, we'll talk about that later. Uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, if, if I have a really good trusted resource or a good trusted book, um, absolutely going into that. Um, there are great spells in, I mean, you know, 
does your book also come with spells in it too? The one that you're putting out? Yes. Um, it's coming out with like gentle spells, mostly around Mm -hmm. like protection work and things like that. Cause you know, protect your neck. Protect your neck. Absolutely. So yeah, just grabbing like, you know, books from trusted places that have spells in them is always really helpful as well. You know, there's Mm -hmm. a bunch of books on different topics, you know, protection magic books, um, Jason Miller's book, um, on protection or reversal magic has great spells in it that are really, really helpful. Um, he has one too. I can't remember it exactly, but it's a reversal spell with a black candle that you, you, you butt the candle to burn it upside down. But instead of using the, the knife to do it, you like start burning the candle and then you like put it out and then you bite off the other end and then light it on that side. Whoa. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> wow. That is the energy. So yeah, absolutely. So, you know, trusted people, people that you know, who know their stuff, you know, reaching for their books. And honestly, that's why we write these books mm-hmm. is so that people will use the spells in them. You know, my book is the same way. I have a lot of spells in there because I wanted everybody to walk away with a lot of recipes and spells to work with. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, so reaching for any of those by people that you trust is going to be a great, great one. You know, I want to share a quick story. I was on Instagram, right? You know, just perusing, doing the doom scrolling. And uh, I saw somebody selling a reversal candle spells, uh, reversal work with, you know, the double action candles and whatnot. And they weren't budding their candles. Yeah. And that's, I that's see that. when you. <laughs> So budding a candle is when you like turn it upside down and carve it and expose the wick from the bottom and you mm-hmm. cut the top, the air, I'm using air quotes here, the top of it off. Uh, that's budding a candle. And like, if you see someone throwing around spells and you notice something like that, like, like Jay says, use your noodle machine, just mm-hmm. take note of those types of things. But I had to kind of get that off my chest because it was in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> I see that a lot. And that is also always pretty much, I mean, you know, you, you never know what the spell was for. You know, people could have other reasons for doing it, whatever. But the truth is, is that I do see a lot of people being like, oh, yeah, my reversal spell is so powerful or whatever. And they're not butting the candle. And I'm like, okay, this is how you know that we are probably learning from social media because yeah. we saw somebody else do this and now we're doing it. And we don't know why. Um, that's, that's why we should ask about the why is because that way you'll know. And so when I see people, so what we're talking about here are the double action candles that are black on the bottom and then a different color on top, usually white, Mm -hmm. red, or green. And those you're supposed to butt so that you flip them and burn them upside down. So you burn the black part first to reverse the bad stuff back to where it came from. And then the colored part to restore what was taken from you. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I see a lot of people, burning the colored part first and then down to the black part, the way that the candle is built. And mm-hmm. that's not going to work the way that you want it to. Cause if you're, if you're bringing the clean stuff into your messy house, your clean stuff is going to get messy and then you're going to send the messy stuff out with the clean stuff. And then, and then you're kind of going to end up all topsy turvy with it in a way that yep. you don't want. Um, so I do notice that the other one that clues me in, to this person either learn from social media or doesn't have a solid education is um, the term grounding. It's mm-hmm. used very willy-nilly <laughs> where people will be like, I'll be like, okay, like, so are you grounding before work? And, and they're like, oh, well, you know, I, I walked around outside barefoot earlier today. And I'm like, that's great. But did you do any grounding? Or <laughs> yeah. like they, they don't realize that there's an actual method and technique to it and Mm -hmm. things like earthing or like watching or walking around 
you know, barefoot outside can be a very grounding experience, but that's not what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Similarly, people will use like the like psychology technique for self-soothing where grounding is like, you know, notice something you can see, something you can hear, something you can smell, you know, kind of like to ground yourself like in the present, which is also very helpful, but that's also not what we're talking about. Right. Magical grounding. Yeah. Magical grounding. Connecting to the source beneath us. Yes, exactly. Creating that energetic link with the earth, um, which is, which is big. So yeah, absolutely. Those, those are things that I notice where I'm like, Oh dear. And especially when you know that somebody paid them a lot of money to do that spell and you're like, Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. So that segues perfectly into places we avoid getting our, (laughs) our spell stuff from. Is there anything in particular that you're like, I just will not go there for spells? Oh God. I mean, the obvious TikTok, Mm -hmm. um, random folks on Instagram, you know, like you see the like jar spell that somebody posted a beautiful infographic and it's like eggshells and rue and roses and in nails. And you're like, what are you doing here? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and so TikTok, Instagram, and then like, if you're like spell for love, and you type it in on Google and like the first thing that pops up, like I would avoid like Googling spells and taking whatever first pops up because a lot of the time I feel it's just going to be trash. Um, That's why I stick to like books, well-known websites and well-known people on social media, people who I trust and whose work I've watched for a while. For sure. And I've seen those jar spells too. There was one, like, there was one ant to make your anxiety go away. And it required things like you to put coffee in the jar and stuff. And I'm like, that's not a great way to get yourself to calm down. It's literally anxiety juice. Well, there is this other one that went around for a while that I was like, okay, this, I, I hated it. And I loved it because on one hand, it really pointed out the fact that you can indeed do a spell wrong. And that intention is not everything. But it went around really big for a while. And some people were making fun of it. Other people were like, wow, this is such a great spell. I'm so glad that I found it. It was it was a love spell to like bring your lover closer to you or something like that. And it's like, get a mason jar, fill it with ice cold water, lemon juice, and like chili peppers, like dunk your loved one's name into it, let it sit in a cold place, a cold, dark place for several days and then flush it down the toilet. And I'm like, Oh no, no. I'm like, this is terrible (laughs) advice. And it's a very big account on Instagram. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening here, but that's like either they're trolling on purpose or, but I, I just, I, it very much pointed out, like, you can indeed do a spell wrong, even if your intention is for something else. Right. But I'm just so, I have so many questions. Like, why the ice? And why in a cold, dark place? Like, those are all the places you don't want your loved one to be. Right. Well, it's like all those people who are like, well, I'm getting over my ex-boyfriend. And so I did, like, a, a, a cord cutting or, like, a funeral spell for our relationship. And then I buried it all in my backyard. And it's like, yeah, no, you're just keep no, no, that boy around. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you just, you might as well have just handcuffed him to you. Like we're no, not in the backyard. We're going to no. So there's, we definitely need to have a little bit of awareness <laughs> when we're doing yeah. our spells or looking for our spells. 
Yeah. So I definitely, I avoid places like you're talking about, like TikTok, random Instagram places. And just remember simply because they have a lot of followers does not mean that they know mm-hmm. stuff or are, you know, just because they have a lot of followers doesn't mean that they really know anything. Um, and Facebook groups. Oh, yes. Lot of the times. Thank you. Facebook groups. I see the scariest stuff in there. Like I, I saw someone being like, yeah, you should use graveyard dirt and pray to Lilith for fertility so that you can have a baby finally. And I'm like, that's just not how this works. Um, Whoa. <laughs> we're going to need to back that one up a little bit. Um, so I, I definitely, definitely would kind of remove myself from there. If that's where you're, you're looking for spells. Now, anyone who has Googled spells has found spellsofmagic.com. Have you found this? No, but I knew that there was like a website out there that had like lots of spells. I could not think of it. And maybe it's this website that I've landed on. Maybe I just haven't looked at the link, but I know there's a website out there somewhere that just like has tons of weird, like turn yourself into a werewolf. I'm about to read you a werewolf spell. Yes. (laughs) You knew it. You knew it. it. (laughs) Okay, so spellsofmagic.com is the place where spells go to die in a giant dumpster fire. Years ago, it used to be kind of okay. Um, okay. That, like, it used to be kind of okay, but it recently has gone kind of off the rail. Um, so this one is titled Becca's Werewolf Spell. Shout out to Becca. I don't know who you are, and no shade to Becca. Right, Becca, um, you're doing a great job. Doing a great job. So this is a spell to become a werewolf. Um, you will need the following items for the spell. Daylight and outside. Those are the items you need for the spell. The instructions say, first off, it has to be daylight, and you have to be outside, and you have to say the chant three times. I am inside, and it is overcast, so I think I'm going to be safe. The chant is, which is one and which is all, I wish to be a werewolf. I wish to be able to transform into a wild animal, I'm a werewolf. I shall turn into a werewolf every night when I see the moon. I shall turn into a werewolf with blank fur. So you can you can dictate what color werewolf it will be. I like that. Mm-hmm. So make this me. This is who I wish to be. So mode it be. And it says, say that spell three times when it's daylight and be outside. And then that night when you see the moon, you shall turn into a werewolf. Um, side effects are growling often, howling often. And that's mainly it. End quote. Wow. Why daylight? I don't know. Becca, we have questions. We have Maybe questions. Maybe we need to get Becca on the show because, I mean, I would do it under, you know, the three days leading up to the full moon. That would that's make just, more sense, I feel. Yeah, I mean, that's just where my brain goes. And I feel like you'd need, like, some sort of, like, wolf fur at least dog hair or something right like, like go berserker mode you know like yeah. the vikings and like have your Where you, like you wear the skin or the yeah yeah because yeah. like shape-shifting is a thing in fact erica buenaflor um recently released a beautiful book on it um we should have her on the show as well mm-hmm. um but yeah like i mean again no shade to becca but but this is this is what it spells in magic.com looks like um a lot of the time um, so we need to just simply have an awareness and, and we did some discernment episodes, you know, around yeah, the internet. So use your noodle machine. You know, if, if the spell doesn't sound great, 
it doesn't sound legit if it's for something like to turn you into a, mer- a mermaid or to make your boobs bigger, which is something I have people come into my DMs a lot asking about. Um, well, come on may- now. Maybe avoid Small it. boobs are, are great. They're like, all the rage now. You don't have to wear a bra. I mean. Right? right? You don't get in your way. No, you they don't hurt your back. Engage in battle without anything getting in, in, in your way. So it's perfect. Right. Yeah, see, don't do not do the magic on your boobies. Right, right? just love yourself. Love yourself. See, yes, self-love spells. Let's do that instead of werewolf spells. <laughs> so definitely kind of uh, take it with a grain of salt. I see a lot of a lot of really bad spells just kind of floating around on the internet. So, you know, get recommendations from friends, see what kinds of spells they've been working, maybe, maybe even your friends too. Like it doesn't have to be from a book or from a website. Like, if you have other friends that are witches, be like, hey, I need a spell for this. Have you have you worked something mm-hmm. like that? And maybe they'll be like, oh my God, yeah, I had like, you know, a go-to spell that I absolutely love, like your Dr. E's house finding spell. Yes. Or maybe they're like, you know, like, no, but I did do something like that this one time and here's what I did. And then mm-hmm. at least they'll give you kind of inspiration for it. Right. Yeah. Like one spell that I've shared a lot in our shoe episode is the paper in your shoe. Like if you need to get an upper hand on a situation, um, you know, we've shared that spell on the podcast and I've shared it with friends and people in our coven group. And like, I I love the feedback I get. So like sharing spells and getting feedback is another way to know that it works really well. And I really love that. Um, Yeah, it's just a lot of fun sharing spells. For sure, for sure. And I love that Lilith Dorsey talks about too. She's like, she, I was listening to an interview with her and she was talking about, she's like, you know, if I put a spell in a book, it is a spell that I've been using for like decades at that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's like, because, you know, sometimes spells, you know, they have unintended consequences. Sometimes they're, they're, they're like food. You give them to somebody and someone is allergic to them and you don't know why, like, you know, like certain spells like don't always jive with other people. And so kind of taking that time to sit with your spells, work with them for a little bit, get them from a friend who's used them several times, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, you know, giving your spells to somebody else, trying them out. Um, it's, it's helpful just to kind of, you know, spread that love. And I love to yeah. share spells with people. Yeah. So if we're going to be doing kind of intuitive spell work, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, we're not working with somebody else's spell. We didn't sit down and pre-write a spell that we're going to be following, but we're kind of flying off the cuff. Um, do you have rules for yourself in that while, while you're doing it? Um, yeah. Is there any sort of like bumpers on it that you're like, you know, if I'm working intuitively, I like to stay within this area or is it just kind of a free for all? Right. Yeah. So, you know, I love working intuitively because I really love personal spells, um, you know, that come from my higher power or from spirit. Um, But things I like to check in with is my emotional state. I like to make sure I'm not in a fit of rage. I have done rage casting, rage spell casting (laughs) before. Um, with effective results, but I was, it was unchecked and it didn't feel, um, safe for me. Um, making sure I'm not in like a fit of passion. Like if I'm doing a love spell, making sure that I'm, I'm balanced in my approach and not creating an obsession in myself. I think discernment, um, towards our care, our character as an individual is really important when it comes to casting a spell. But then, you know, when it, that's for things like those emotional matters of like, uh, love 
and revenge or hexing and things like that. But then when it comes to like money, uh, I, I just, it's a free for all. We all need more money. <laughs> I'm like, do it. everybody does. Yeah. So uh, when it comes to like money work and protection work, I just, um, I just flow with it for the most part. Um, don't really have many boundaries around there. Um, but I do follow formulas. Like I have for protection work, I have like a handful of herbs that I use regularly that I've developed relationships with. And for money work, like I have methods that work and I always use them. And maybe I'll spice it up every now and then and like add a new herb or try a different approach or, you know, something like that. But that's usually, you know, where I come from. How about you? I definitely feel that way. And I I like where you're talking about kind of checking in with yourself. Where are you at emotionally? What are your real intentions with this spell? You know, kind of like things like, you know, oh, well, I need this person back in my life. Like, okay, is this, are you doing the spell because you really need this person back in your life? Or are you doing the spell because you want the pain to stop? Mm -hmm. Those are different things. And bringing that person back in your life may not fix everything. In fact, it, it may make it a lot worse in a lot of ways. Um, When it comes to intuitive witchcraft, I like to remind people that working intuitively doesn't mean anything goes. And that's something that we're seeing a lot these days, where people just slap the term intuitive work on something and then just make shit up. Mm -hmm. Um, Intuitive work is beautiful, and it's something that we should do, and it's something that I think all witches should be comfortable doing. But your intuitive work needs to sit on top of a foundation of real factual work like a good foundation of witchcraft will support your intuitive work because Mm -hmm. that way you know you're you're definitely heading in the right direction with it even if it might be unorthodox or maybe even if your spell looks different from somebody else's you can then you can then explain why you chose what you wanted to choose beyond i don't know i just felt like it you know right um and this is something too that we're seeing not just in spellcraft we're seeing this the new thing especially on like tiktok is um intuitive tarot readings which normally I'd be like, yes, but I watch these. And these are people who clearly have no idea how the tarot works. And they're just on TikTok. Like someone's like, what do you see for my boyfriend and I? And they're like, um, so I pulled the lovers and that means that he's cheating on you. And then I pulled the sun card and the sun card is going to be here because the sun is going to illuminate all of the lies that they've been telling. Um, and also I pulled like the, uh, the three of cups, which definitely tells me that um, you're going to die tomorrow. And I'm like, that's not what any of that means. Yeah, you make such a great point. Because like, if you're going to intuitively read, let's utilize the writer weight system of tarot, you need to have the foundational knowledge of the tarot. Like, you know, the suits represent like cups as water, wands as fire, swords as air. And then like, Yeah. Oh boy. I have so many questions, but but then you can be an intuitive reader once you have the foundation. Yes, exactly. It's kind of like you have to learn the rules so that you know how to break them. Right. Because like there's, there's reason, but it's kind of like intuitive baking. It's like, I don't just throw water and salt and like paprika and some flour and stuff it in the oven and get cake. Like that's not how this works. No. <laughs> like, you know, like a cup of baking soda in there, uh, you know, th- because 
I felt like it, like it's, it's just not going to work out. But once you understand baking, then you can be like, yeah, we're just going to fly off the cuff here. I'm going to throw some walnuts in this and some chocolate chips because fuck it. Um, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You can do that. But like once you, you understand kind of how it's yeah. So that's my basic rule. It's just, it's just have some foundational understanding of the work and then work into the intuitive mm-hmm. on that side. I think mm-hmm. both of them are very necessary and they have to work together because if you're just working with like the strict, this is how it's done, then there's no growth. There's no personal aspect to it. But then if we're just doing intuitive, then there's nothing to kind of hold it into place and there, we don't have the why that we need. Right. Yeah, exactly. So let's, let's leave our people here with some steps for writing their own spells. So if, if you are out here in the world and you're like, oh my God, I've never written my own spell before. Where do I even start? Um, we're going to tell you. So, so where, where do we start? If we're going to write our own spell, where's, what's square one? What is your heart's desire? Ooh, I love that. What do you need? Mm-hmm. Do you need a thousand dollars? Do you need um, protection from Becky down the street who's been talking shit? Um, be very specific and like feel that out. You know, uh, give yourself a little bit of time. You know, maybe a couple days or a week. Like depending on the spell, um, I like to give myself some time to formulate it. Although if I am working intuitively, sometimes it will just drop in um, into my head, and I'll be like, okay, that's it. That's what I got to do. Um, but forming your intention is in your heart's des- and knowing your heart's desire is, uh, I think, key. And I love that you phrase it that way, because a lot of people would say, like, form an intention. But you're saying, what is my heart's desire? Mm-hmm. What is it that I want? And that's so I like that better because I feel like forming an intention is so kind of like removed from the person. Mm-hmm. but what is the heart's desire is very introspective. You have to check in with yourself. You have to go inward and you have to have a conversation about yourself about what exactly is it that I want. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's so important because that's where I find a lot of people go wrong with their spellcraft is that they don't know what they want, but yeah. they're casting spells for it. And then the universe is like, you don't know. So I don't know. And so you either get something weird or, an unintended consequence or something like that, because you yourself don't really know what exactly it is that you're doing. Mm -hmm. And without knowing what it is that you want to accomplish, you'll never be able to get there because everything else relies upon this knowing of what it is that you want. So kind of step two here is I have written the intention dictates the form, which is is something, (laughs) something, an, an authorly thing to put in. But, um, so, and, and what I mean by that is whatever it is that you want is going to tell you how to go about the spell. So mm-hmm. for instance, if you are looking to bind something, then your spell will probably include tying something up or wrapping something up yeah. in a way to bind it. If you are going to surround yourself with protection, then your spell may include surrounding something that represents you in a protective herb mixture or a Mm -hmm. set of protective stones or a protective color, things like that. Mm -hmm. So whatever it is that is your heart's desire that you've checked in on, whatever that is will also clue you in on what it is that you need to do in the spell. Mm -hmm. I hope that makes sense. (laughs) It it does make sense. I really love how you describe that. The intention dictates the form. It's what Mm -hmm. informs 
how you go about doing the process. And so many ideas can come from that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, is it, do you want to draw someone closer to you? What does that look like? Mm -hmm. What is the action? Yeah. That might clue you into things like, well, I want them to be drawn to me like a magnet. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. So maybe you're going to use a magnet in your spell. Yeah. Like, you know, things like that. Or there's other ones too that are like, um, like fish hooks and lures where you're pulling them and right. I've seen those spells or, too. Um, or like a moving candle spell where you move, like say you have two figures and you move mm-hmm. them closer and closer together as the spell works. Um, I really love those. Those are beautiful. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yes, I think that that's great. So we figured out what our heart's desire is. Mm-hmm. That has clued us into what we may need to do in the spell. Um, so then, then what do we do next? We start looking at um, things that will help support the work, um, like plant allies, stones, um, and color, and correspondences that are going to support the work. And then we call on the spirit of those to come in and help facilitate um, the feel. You know, um, maybe uh, you are looking for love, but you want that love, or you have love, and you want it to be protected. So you might be utilizing rose. You might be utilizing Angelica or something like that. So looking up the plant color and correspondences of stuff um, can be really helpful as like the next step. Because, I mean, you could cast a spell with like just a piece of paper, um, but including other things in it like plants and like I've said, stones and colors and whatnot uh, can be really, really helpful. Absolutely. And I love that you're talking about... um, that we will then work with the spirit of these things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that people often overlook is this, they kind of think of these things as kind of very um, inanimate objects that as long as they're put together in the right ratios, will do stuff, which is one way of looking at it. But a lot, it, you get so much more out of it and there's more depth to the work when you understand that these are all active participants. These mm-hmm. are spirits that you are working with. And that's why, too, I always have a problem when people are like, the magic isn't in the tools, it's in you. And I'm like, um, your amethyst is giving you side eye right now because it just helped right. you really intensely. Um, <laughs> so, like, we're going to need to kind of maybe kind of give some of that respect out to the things that you're working with because these are here to support you. Now, will they, will just an amethyst you know, just sitting on the table, jump up and help you. Probably not without you interacting with it. So mm-hmm. that's something that's very important is this interaction. But the, the idea that these things, even colors have spirits and energy that, that they're mm-hmm. going to be lending to you. Um, and once you get to know these spirits on a personal level, then doing intuitive craft is so much easier because like, you know, the personality of Blessed Thistle versus yeah. the personality of um, you know, agrimony. Mm-hmm. Like they might do the same things on paper, but their energy, their personality, the way that they work is going to be very different. And once you know, it's a little bit like a friend group when, when you're like, hey, these two friends can hang out at the same time. This one and this one, they'll probably not, <laughs> you right. know, so you know which ones to mix and match. Um, so kind of getting to know that spirit is, is so important. I really cannot get a vision of an amethyst giving the side eye to somebody. I cannot get that out of my head right now. It's so good. (laughs) Just like, if anybody with uh, art skills out there would like to do a cartoon of of an amethyst giving you side eye, um, definitely, definitely throw it out there. I love that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's true. Yes. So true. Now the, 
kind of one of the second to last one here that I have on my list is, uh, is go with your gut. Yeah. You know, you're writing your own spell. This is your spell. So it doesn't necessarily need to make sense to somebody else. It needs to make sense to you and to Mm -hmm. resonate with you. So sometimes I come across people and they're like, oh, this is my spell for that. And I'm like, that is not at all what I would have done for it. But if I ask them like, okay, why did you do this? And they're like, okay, because to me, what this feels like and what this looks like and, and, and how this makes sense in my brain, then I'm like, oh, okay, I can see why you did that. Right, you yeah. Know? Like, mm-hmm. so as long as it makes sense to you and you have a reason why and it feels, and it feels correct to mm-hmm. you, then go with it. Yes. And that's pretty much the only permission that you need is to know that it makes sense and it feels right. Mm-hmm. You know, those two things I feel like have to go together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree completely. So what's our next one here? The, the last on our list for crafting your own spell. Is don't overcomplicate it. Yep. Don't use 5,000 herbs for your love spell. Pick three. Mm-hmm. Go from there. Don't overcomplicate it. It doesn't need to be a, a month-long spell. Yep. Simple is always better. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't have to take a real long time. It doesn't have to have a million different ingredients. And similarly, too, that is the same thing with your intention. So where I see a lot of people go wrong is where they're like, okay, well, what what do I want from this spell? And they're like, well, I want to have my boyfriend support me in our marriage and have my mother-in-law not be so mean to me. And also my sister-in-law did not be so mean to me. And also um, for us to get a house and a pony. And it it kind of ends up being like eight different intentions, you know, too complicated. One Mm -hmm. spell for one thing. Do that first. Mm -hmm. Very simple. Strip everything down to the simplest form. And you're going to be much more successful. Yes. So... Cast those spells, y'all, and have fun doing it. Like, have fun. Don't take yourself too seriously and just have a blast. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Have fun with it. And that's something I do kind of miss that I'm not finding in modern witchcraft is this element of fun. Right. Because, like, everything is for, everything's for my trauma now. And it's like, okay, well, that's great. But also, like, I remember when spells used to be for things like finding your keys and, um, you know, turning invisible and getting good scores on your tests. Like, Mm -hmm. back when it was fun. (laughs) Yeah, back when it was fun. Yeah, y'all, just remember not to take yourself so seriously and, uh, and go have fun and experiment and see what works for you. Find out what doesn't work for you. And play with it. Play with it. Have fun. And most importantly, remember... Do witchcraft. Do it. Support for this podcast comes from our listeners. If you would like to support Invoking Witchcraft with a one-time donation, please go to invokingwitchcraft.com backslash donate. Or if you'd like to become a premium listener, join the coven at invokingwitchcraft.com backslash coven. There you'll get access to our exclusive Facebook group for discussion and connection, as well as access to occasional workshops. We hope to see you there. 